Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 165 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Jenny Herkenbach, Jenny lives in Omaha, Nebraska, and she is a happily unemployed occupational therapist. Welcome, Jenny. Hi. Thanks for having me. Well, I love how you said that, happily unemployed. Yes. My unemployment status was supposed to be about six months long, and here I am a little more than two years later, still happily unemployed. So, Well, there's so much to do. There is so much to do. I agree. So... No, most of my days right now involve taking care of, we live in a historic property in Midtown Omaha, and there's a lot to do. The to-do list is very long. So that's what the majority of my days are spent doing when I'm home. 
That's great. I just remember when I retired from teaching. I mean, of course, I was retiring to have a second career. But, you know, I heard other teachers who had retired that said, once you retire, you just don't won't even believe how you fit in teaching into your day. But it's true. Yeah, I, I definitely <laughs> understand that. And I, I definitely left with the intention to come back or to, you know, pursue a second career. And it turns out my second career is spoiling my grandkids and taking care of this house. So there you well, go. Well, I think that is a fabulous career. I embrace <laughs> it fully. It's not a bad gig. Be- being a Mimi is probably my favorite thing ever. So. I love it. Things work out. So let's talk about fasting. <laughs> Although I would love to talk about historic houses because right? I like, have a thing for that. You know, my last house. We could talk about that I for could. a long time. I've lived in houses from the 20s, the 30s, the 40s. Let me think. Now I'm in one from the 70s. It's a different kind of... Ours was built in 1906, so wow. she's, she's an old girl, but we so love I've never lived in one that old. My grandparents, though, started my love of historic houses. My grandparents bought a house from the 1860s when wow. I was one, and my grandmother like did so much of the restoration with her own two hands. She was an interior designer, and my grandfather was a trained architect, so... Anyway, that would be a different podcast, but I would love it. Yes, it it would. It would. But let me start by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting, and when was that? I feel like I came to fasting a little bit differently than a lot of your other podcast guests. So a lot of the stories I've heard is that people came to fasting first, and then they had major life changes after. I was the opposite of that. I was on a path of learning to like myself. And fasting was discovered along that journey. So to explain that a little bit, I spent way too many years not liking myself. And it was one of those things where I would just look in the mirror with disdain and realized I cannot live like this. This is not a healthy way to live. And so I made a commitment to stop that. Yeah. I think that I bet a lot of listeners can resonate with what you're saying because I just read a really interesting book about something like like you're addicted to the monkey mind, I think is the name of it. And we tell ourselves so many stories in our minds that that are are based on old programs. It was written by um by someone who counsels people who are stuck in those old programs and you've got to get rid of those old programs before you can be your best self and it sounds like that's what was happening with you. It definitely was. I remember I remember distinctly, you know, part of this was a gray hair journey for me also. And I remember distinctly getting out of the shower one day and I was heading to a meeting and looking in the mirror and just going And not liking what I saw, talking to myself in the worst way, and thinking, I would never talk to anyone else like this, ever, no one. And that was really a tipping point for me. It was a tipping point to, first of all, accept that I've had gray hair since I was a teenager. I think I found my first gray hair in junior high. And why do I have to hide that? And then being like, now, wait a minute, if it's, if I'm trying to hide that, what else am I hiding? And it really became just this spiral from there to where um, I put a note up on my mirror in the bathroom that says, hello, gorgeous. And, you know, I would look at it in the mornings and be like, ugh, ugh, 
And then I would stop. Because yeah. it didn't feel like it wasn't matching what you were saying inside no, your own head still. No, not at all. So I would look at it and I would roll my eyes and I would make ugly scoffing noises. And then I would go, stop, stop. This is where we're going to change this. And now I look at that hello gorgeous on my mirror and I believe it. That's fabulous. You've rewritten that inter- internal script that was playing in your head for so long. Yes. And it's work. It's work every single day to do that. And we're in a society that teaches us to always put others first. You know, we get a lot of mixed messages in a very competitive society that applauds you for achievement. You know, we get this mixed message of you need to go achieve, you need to go do things, but you can't love yourself too much. You should love others first. And it's like, you know, we we forget that, you know, on the airlines, they always tell you. I was you know, going to say that. You know, you put your oxygen mask on first so that you don't pass out trying to save everybody else. And we need to remember that. We need to do a better job of taking care of us first. That doesn't mean ignore everybody else. But I really started with this attitude of if I can't be my own best friend, I can't be a best friend to anyone else. I can't be a good wife or mother or Mimi. So I had to rewrite the script. It was my only option. That's powerful. And, you know, Sherry and I did a a podcast episode for Life Lessons called Self-Care Isn't Selfish. And you and I are, are, um, how many years apart are we in age? I will be 49 before this podcast airs. Okay, okay. Well, when this comes out, I'll be 52. So we're pretty close. I thought we were pretty close. And we were raised to, to always be good little girls, do for others, we had to look a certain way and try really hard, and, and that was just part of it, right? And so we, yeah, we've had sure. that internal dialogue of, oh, I need to be good enough for society. I need to be a certain size. I need to look a certain way. For you, it was your hair and our weight and so many things. And just being able to love yourself and then be yourself. Yeah. And it's just that interesting dichotomy of trying to deal with what society tells you you should do and trying to deal with what internally you know is best for you. And those things are often at odds. And then you have all the other voices of all the other people in your life telling you, you know, good intended advice. For me, it was a real struggle because I had gotten to a place of being happy with who I was, but still not being thrilled with how I felt physically. And it wasn't so much about weight as it was that I just didn't feel healthy. So finding Delay, Don't Deny, when I did, I read that book in January of 2020. And I started fasting on January 22nd of 2020. So I'm still a relatively new faster. I mean, it's been a year and some, I guess it'll be a year and a half before this airs, but um, I still consider that fairly new. And it made sense to me because it was intuitive. It made sense to me because intermittent fasting would not have worked for me if I hadn't done the work on who I was first, because I wouldn't have felt like I was worthy of taking better care of myself. And I wouldn't have been able to keep the promise to myself to fast. So that's huge. Yeah. I mean, making a commitment to say, so when I make promises to other people, I keep them. Right. I was not good at all of keeping promises to myself. I was the first person whose priorities would be shoved aside. And so, you know, being able to say, I'm going to get up. I am going to wait until noon to eat. 
I'm going to eat until eight and then I'm going to close my window and then I'm going to repeat that. And I actually started fasting. We were getting ready to go on a vacation and it was my husband sometimes travels for work. And so this was a trip that we were taking and it was kind of right before everything happened with the pandemic. So it was this very strange time where it was the first time, you know, the end of February was the first time I had heard the word COVID-19. And then we were on an island where they didn't let a cruise ship, they didn't let the people get off the boat. And I thought, wow, this yeah. is, this is a big scary. deal. Like, you know, people had signs hanging out the window of their cruise ship, like, let us off, oh, let us no. off the boat. It and was like, so scary. I remember one of the moderators in the Delight on Deny group was actually on a two-week cruise or something, and she was on it before anything was happening with the cruise ships. And while she was on it, everything started to unfold. We're like, oh, my yes. gosh, is she going to be able to get off the ship? She didn't even know. But it was – what island were you on? We were in St. Kitts. Okay. And this would have been at the very end of February, early March. And, you know, I just kept thinking, what in the world is happening right now? And I, I actually felt proud of that little island that they didn't know the answer. And so instead of letting all of these people off that ship, they made the decision to protect their little island, which in retrospect was a really good decision. At the moment, it was a terrible financial decision. But in retrospect, it was the right decision to make. But I was fasting that whole time. So, you know, I was like, I don't know what's happening right now. And I sure had all these beautiful meals that were offered to me. But very quickly in my fasting journey, I uh, became a window-worthy food snob. Love it. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face -face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study.
Have you not always been a window-worthy food snob? I have always been a food snob, or at least for the past 10 years, yes. Jenny and I know each other from, we've never met in person, but it's, I mean, I can't believe, I don't know that I realized you didn't start till January of 2020, because as soon as Jenny popped into the Delay Don't Deny Facebook groups, I was like, there she is, she's a moderator, and so I <laughs> swooped you in to the to the. To the family. Oh, I still remember. <laughs> I still remember that day because I had connected with a couple other moderators and they're like, oh, don't expect Jen to contact you directly. She just doesn't have time for that. And then I got this message from you and I was like, <gasps> I, I seriously, I, I joke around that I was gin struck. Oh, you know, that's it's funny. like the starstruck word that, I, no, I still, or you'd respond to my posts on that group. And I remembered I would be like, oh, oh, like, what did I say? She responded. What do I do? <laughs> well, I saw you as a leader right away. That's, you know, the teacher and me were always on the first day of school looking out to see oh, who's going to be the funny. leader. I, I saw it in you. So, you know, I've only known you as a food snob who has yeah. you know, window-worthy eating. So, You know, it's funny because I definitely, I love to eat. And so one of the things about intermittent fasting is I had this like morning period of, well, wait a minute, I really enjoy my three meals a day. Right. I take all three of those very seriously. And giving that up felt like I, I mourned it probably ridiculously. It, you know, like breakfast, brunch is my favorite meal. So to give that up, I just, I didn't give it up. I just now often have brunch in the middle of the day. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's you funny moved how- it. You delayed it. I did. I delayed brunch. Actually- I just started eating brunch at normal brunch times, I think, you know, like most people eat brunch around noon, I think. So that's what I started doing. It it was just very interesting. Um, intermittent fasting came into my life again at a time where I, you know, looking back, I think I had read about it before and it just didn't click with me. And reading the book in January, it clicked with me. And I was glad that Delay, Don't Deny was the book that I stumbled across first because it was short and sweet. It was to the point, and it didn't give me a lot of options. It just said, this is how you clean fast. Any other type of fasting isn't fasting. Go. And that's exactly <laughs> what I did. I read the book, and I became a faster. And I ditched the cream in my coffee before I found the book. So that was a good thing. I didn't have that you know, whiny struggle about, I can't drink my coffee black. You can. You will not die. You will not die. It might feel like it, but you will not die. So I had already gone through that struggle even, and it just clicked. It, it was one of those things that it just clicked. I was, as a child, I didn't like to eat breakfast. It didn't feel good. I also didn't like to eat dinner very late. It didn't feel good. I don't like going to bed with a full stomach. It doesn't feel good to me. And when I get up in the morning, I want to get moving. I don't want to load my body with something. And I especially didn't want to load my body with the things that Americans call breakfast food. Processed carbs and things like that don't make me feel good. So, you know, when you do all the reading that says breakfast is the most important meal of the day, I would be like, ugh, like, but I hate it. And it was a relief to know, listening to my body, I don't eat breakfast. It's just not something my body wants. I'm not even hungry in the morning. So it was a relief to read something that kind of reinforced, it's totally okay 
to listen to what your body wants and needs. And so that's what I do now. You know, it's really, it's, and hearing you say that just confirms what I've heard so many other people say, that they naturally didn't want to eat at that time, but society told us we had to. They told it, society told us it was healthier, it was better, it got you going, it, blah, 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 all the things we heard. And because we wanted to follow the rules we were taught, we're like, well, it's better. I have to do it. We did right. it. And then yeah. it didn't serve us well, but we did it because we thought it was right. And it was such right. a relief when we learned, hey, I don't have to do that. I've got a new rule I can follow that's right. better and it serves my body better. Well, and it helps to know that I felt crappy after eating breakfast for a reason. Those foods weren't the foods that are best for my body. And, you know, beyond fasting, Jen, you talk a lot about, you know, bioindividuality and the fact that what works for me for a meal might not work for you. And that has become more and more and more transparent the longer that I fast, is that intuitively I know what feels good. It might look like a really strange meal to someone, but boy, you know, I could eat bacon, eggs, and avocado every meal and feel fantastic. And I'll throw in a piece of sourdough bread every now and then, but not all the time. And that feels really good for me. I have friends who can't eat that way. They feel terrible. They feel terrible. I couldn't. I wouldn't feel good with bacon, eggs, and, and avocado. I would. I have to have the starchy. Isn't that funny? I have to have starchy. I don't feel good unless I've had something starchy. I would have to have the sourdough, like several pieces. Right? I've just slowly learned that, you know, some days I have to have a roasted sweet potato with it. Some days I can have multiple pieces of sourdough and feel great. And then there's times where my body is like, whoa, some leafy greens would be a really great idea here. You know, it just, it's funny how your body really does tell you what you need if you're willing to just listen to it. You know, you get a plate of food to put in front of you. What is your initial reaction to it? If your initial reaction is, ugh, you know, but the the good girl that I was taught to be didn't waste food. So one of my one of my biggest things prior to finding IF and still while I'm doing IF is that guilt associated with pushing food away. You know, like I now very often will push away a half full plate of food. And there is still that guilt associated with how can you waste that? And, you know, I just tell myself, well, you can either waste it into the trash can, remix it as a leftover, or you can put it in your body and your body is going to have to deal with that junk. And it's going to take way longer for your body to dispose of it than if you just throw it away. So, And that's also wasting it. It totally is. Eating food that you don't want and your body doesn't need is a different type of wasting the food. Yes. No, it absolutely is. It's, it was wasted the minute you cooked more than you needed, whether you meant to or not, or the minute more was put on your plate than you needed. But you don't always know ahead of time. So losing that guilt about it is important. It is important and it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing thing, you know, and it's also funny. I used to be such a dessert hound. I mean, if there were sweets somewhere, I was going to go find them. And now I find, I still really love delicious dessert, but it's funny how just a bite is all that I need, you know, to where my body will be like, whoa, okay, whoa. That was delicious. That's enough. But that was enough. Yeah, you um I have have watched you do some pretty amazing culinary 
things <laughs> over the over the months. I feel like I've known you for a lot longer <laughs> than I've it does, known you. It but does feel like a lot longer. It does. But you went to um, to Vermont. Were you there for a month? Yeah. So this this whole pandemic isolation offered some new opportunities for my husband and I. So he has been working remote since March of 2020, and there's no end to that in sight. And so in October of last year, we picked up and relocated for the month and we went to Vermont and, you know, we're careful to follow all of their rules about quarantining and getting into their state. And we had a lovely time and I got to unbeknownst to me, I didn't know this before I went there, King Arthur Baking Company is headquartered in Vermont, about an hour away from where we were staying. And so all of the pandemic cancellations of their baking classes meant I got to go to baking classes pretty much. I I think I went two and a half weeks of the month we were there. So I would drive. I'm so envious of that. Oh, it was the most amazing experience. So I had become a pandemic baker. Like, I don't know that you can get much more stereotypical than that, but (laughs) I was one of those people everyone was complaining about that was buying all the flour during the pandemic. That was me. And so I got to take like all of that homegrown knowledge, which everyone tells you there's a method to sourdough. Everyone has the right way to make sourdough. And then I got to go to this baking school where you know, the instructors have been baking sourdough for 40 years. It was like, it was like being around, you know, the Buddhas and the yogis and, you know, the wisest wise people as far as sourdough was concerned. It was magic. It was so much fun. Oh, I want to learn how to do it. One of the other moderators sent me some sourdough starter and I, I murdered it. Yeah. You know, you probably didn't. Truthfully, you probably didn't. It looked like if I ate it, we would all die of poisoning. Well, yeah, you you definitely don't want to eat something that looks that way, but it is actually (laughs) very hard to kill a starter. Well. (laughs) But I'd rather you err on the side of caution than try to revive something. Like it had like pink fuzz on it or something. That's a problem. Yeah, Yeah. that's a problem. That's a problem. (laughs) You know, it's just, it's a really interesting thing, but it's, it's one of those things where sourdough is also very intuitive. So I can cook sourdough in my kitchen, the humidity and the heat and everything in my kitchen, even the the moisture in my hands will make the way sourdough reacts for me different than it might react for you. So I always laugh a little bit at all of the YouTube videos and online tutorials about sourdough because it's only valid for that person's yeah, that's kitchen very at true. that moment. So you're kind of... You know that I bake. Yeah, you're kind of setting people up to fail. I do the, the the homemade bread, and it's really different. Here in Georgia, my house has a whole different humidity level in the summer than it does in the winter. Totally. And so it, it turns out completely different. Like a whole batch could turn out awful. Yeah. And I made it the same way I made it six months ago. And Chad's like, what's wrong with this bread? Why is it? And I'm like, sorry, Dad, I don't know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm not a master. So, <laughs> you know, so I went from Nebraska, you know, I learned how to make bread in, in Nebraska humidity in the summer of 2020. And then I go to Vermont in the fall and actually learn how to bake bread at a baking school and try to take those techniques back home. And in my kitchen, like sourdough just laughs in my face. It's like, huh, yeah, that technique's not going to work here. That's real cute. But it's just a matter of you just have to trust it. It's funny how I always relate everything back to intermittent fasting. Like, For me, with intermittent fasting, I'm not one of those like strict window 
people. Um, you know, I have a sweet spot of a window that works really well for me, but there's days that I'm hungry outside of what my normal window would be. And so it, it really is similar to sourdough. Like if I would force a loaf of sourdough to bake at a certain time, because that's what someone told me was right, it's going to be terrible. If I ignore the fact that I'm hungry after my window closes, my next day is going to be a nightmare. That's a good because point. Because I'm not fueled. I'm not it's one of those things that it's hard to tell people, you know, I get a lot of friends who are like, just tell me how to fast. Just tell me what to do. What hours can I eat? And like, I wish it was that simple, but it's not. You know, just tell me what to eat. What time should I open? What time should I close? I'm like, what should I eat during? You know, it's like, you have to do the work to figure that out for yourself. And people don't want to hear that. We live in an easy button society where everybody wants the answer right now. Well, if if we had that answer, we would all be at our optimal weight, living our best, healthiest lives. And we clearly aren't. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you really have to dig in and do the work. And for me, I found intermittent fasting at a time in my life where I was willing to do the work. And I'm so grateful for that because I will fast from now on. It's just a part of, it's just a part of who I am. So you mentioned that you have a, a sweet spot, that's your sweet spot, but you you then flex around it as necessary. How would you describe like the day that is your ideal perfect sweet spot day and then versus how you flex it? Like what what might other days look like? Yeah, so when I started fasting, I was um I started with 168 and very quickly 186 felt better. And then 19.5 felt better. So when I first started, 19.5 was where I started seeing the scale move. And I was like, wow, okay. And then it stopped. And I didn't feel good anymore. And so for me, um, 21.3 was kind of the sweet spot. And I am amazed. My husband and I, we really do love good food. So the meals, my sweet spot is one, is a one meal a day kind of spread out over two and a half to three hours. So for me, eating from noon to three or one to four is a really lovely window. So I usually open with a creamy cup of coffee. I can't eat dairy. It's something I've discovered about myself long ago. So I will make a latte with macadamia nut milk or something that feels good to my body. Um, I usually open with that and I'll have that while I cook. I really enjoy cooking and have gotten pretty good at being able to cook without tasting things. So I bake a lot without tasting, but my meals are better if I can taste as I go. So that's my preferred method is that I'll open with a cup of coffee. My window is open. I can now cook and, you know, refine the taste of my meal. And then we'll sit down one or one thirty, have a huge meal. So Scott eats his big meal at the same time. Your, your main meal of the day is, is there together because he's working from home. He's working from home. And truly, this would have never happened. You know, he had gotten in the habit of coming. He only works a mile away from where we okay. live. So he had gotten in the habit of coming home for lunch. But it's easy to, you know, have meetings schedule over it and whatever else. Well, now that he's here, it's this... Him working from home solidified his fasting practice because he just really couldn't manage it as easily um, going to the office. Now it's a priority. So he would manage it now. And then, you know, for us, 
Uh, we both have a sweet tooth, him more than I. So there is some sort of dessert in his day that's usually chocolate every day. And for me, it's probably one out of three days I'm hunkering for something sweet at the end of my meal. But it might be an hour later or 90 minutes later. And sometimes it's another cup of creamy coffee for me. Yeah, that'll fill that sweetness need that you have, definitely. Yeah, and it's it's funny because I uh, I share pictures of my meals with some of the moderators and my friends all the time. And I recently, I don't even know if you know this, Jen, but I recently spent 10 weeks in Hawaii with my I daughter. I did know that. Yes. Yeah, so, but she was working, so she was finishing her optometry clinical rotation. And two years ago, she sends me a text. Hey, mom, one of my clinical rotation locations is Honolulu, Hawaii. Wink, wink, palm tree, palm tree, you know, like all the emojis. And I said, well, let's do that. And the response is, do not mess with me. This isn't funny. And I'm like, no, really, if if that's an option, let's do it. How are we going to do that? Blah, blah, blah. You know, like all the things. I'm like, Megan, when else are you going to get to spend 10 weeks in Hawaii? When else am I going to have the excuse to spend 10 weeks in Hawaii? So in 2019, we we committed to this. And then like the world changed. You know, we went through a pandemic and we went through all these things. So we, even two weeks before she was supposed to go, we weren't sure if the rotation was going to stay intact or anything. But it was like the world just, you know, the universe rolled out this red carpet of, nope, you're supposed to be here. And slowly every obstacle got out of the way and off to Hawaii we went. So we spent 10 weeks there, which was amazing. But most of my meals were solo because I eat in the middle of the day. She was working. For the first month we were there, we didn't really have any visitors. And I would go out to eat and order like three things. I would order, you know, an appetizer. I might order two appetizers. I might order two entrees. And waiters or waitresses would say to me, is someone joining you? (laughs) And initially, I used to get really offended. I'd be like, worry about yourself. (laughs) Worry about yourself. Or the other question I would get would be, are you a food critic? Are you yes. trying things? Start saying that. Yes. Right? I should have. You should have. You know, yes, so, I am. Yes, actually, <laughs> I am. I could be. That would be fun. Ooh, but that would be. It would be fun. But, you know, it was just so hilarious because we do have this judgmental thing of like, did you see her? She just ordered, you know, the, the shocking thing is I usually finish what I order. <laughs> so then they're like, <laughs> Whoa, she was not she was not messing around. Right. But it's funny because I used to feel the need to defend why I had just ordered everything, you know, I only eat once a day. Or and then you have to explain fasting and then everybody has an opinion about what you're doing to yourself. And it's usually that you're, you know, not eating correctly. And I just don't care anymore. I just I just order and eat and whatever. Like if if they have a genuine question, I'll answer it. I used to carry fast beast repeat around with me. And so, you know, if people had a question, I'd be like, well, this is the book you should read. Like, right. you can take it up with gin. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was just, it, it's just funny how I just don't care. I just, I don't have the energy to worry about why, what someone thinks of what I ordered at lunch anymore. I just, I just don't care. Yeah. Because, you know, 
You feel good. That's the thing. You know, people can throw out any argument in the entire world about it's not healthy and blah, 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 and this and the other. And I'm like, well, you know what? When I was 210 pounds and I felt like crap all the right. time, that did not feel healthy. But right. now I feel amazing. So if if my body is really unhealthy now, it's masking it by feeling great. So I'm right. going to go with that. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> you know, I'll take feeling I'll take great. It. Yeah, but it, I mean, obviously, that's not what's happening. Feeling great is a good sign that things right. are going well. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny, too, because it's not just, you know, I never thought that I would have a healthy BMI. I was one of those people that was like, that number is not even accurate. Who can, why do we look at that number? And so when I started fasting, my goal, my first goal was to be the weight that I lied about on my driver's license. On your license. driver's license. That was my first goal. And it was a lofty one for me. And so I blew past that goal and was like, well, now my driver's license is the liar in the wrong direction. Right. Like, this is awesome. And then I started creeping closer to that healthy BMI number that I never thought was going to be possible. And it was, it was mind blowing to watch my body do what it could do when I treated it properly. And, you know, I, I was exercising, but mostly I was just being mindful. I actually, when I started fasting, I actually dropped a pretty obsessive exercise habit that looking back was not it was not good for my brain. I exercised out of guilt and shame. And if I didn't get so many calories burned or so many hours in, it was a failure of a day. And to realize that my body can do the work with just normal, a normal day's worth of work for me has a lot of heavy work in it. You know, I garden and I, and I, do things around the house. And, you know, especially this time of year, managing the garden is a lot of heavy lifting and a lot of sweat and a lot of work. And I don't need an, you know, I don't need a workout in addition to that. My body is like, okay, enough. Like you're wearing us out here. This is enough for today. So to realize that, you know, I can incorporate healthy movement just by what I do every day. You know, my job as an occupational therapist was exactly the same way. It was a lot of heavy lifting. It was a lot of time on my feet. I didn't need a workout in addition to those shifts. Well, I mean, exercise wasn't even invented until modern day. So right. you know, think about that. Because people, people's jobs were work. Yeah. I mean, exercise was an invention. The idea of lifting weights or doing aerobic activity in addition to living your life if you went back, you know, 200 years, people would be like, what in the world? You know, for like running, they'd be like looking to see who was chasing you. I mean, exactly. You, know, you would look like, like ridiculous, you know. Isn't and, that funny? I mean, we truly, when you look at just the history of, of everything to do with our, our weight, what is considered a healthy weight has changed so dramatically over time. And, you know, I was one of those people that I had tried every every diet. I had tried them all. I had all of them. I had done every shake, every potion, every injection, every doctor's monitored miracle cure. I had done them all. And I would lose weight and I would look sickly, like terrible. I would look terrible. And then the moment I would stop, I would just 
pack the pounds back on, usually with wild abandon of, I don't care. I don't care. I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. But it's funny to watch, you know, people who fast, you've heard this over and over again, they age in reverse. Right. For real. I mean, I look back at photos of friends of mine who fast and I'm like, they look five years younger than they did 10 years ago. Or I look at pictures of myself and a lot of it has to do with the just mental work that I've done to to truly embrace who I am in this body that I have. But you know, what it does to your skin, what it does to your joints, what it what it even did for me for like I was going so so gray, I had done the gray hair transition, and now I have like red streaks coming back oh. in my hair. You know, <laughs> Sorry. so I'm like I'm like, wait a minute. I had embraced this silver goddess look, and now I have brown and red coming back in my hair. It's like hilarious. But, oh, I think it's so um, pretty. I can see it because we're on video, and it's beautiful. You know, it's just – it's so funny to, you know, to just be confident and and content in the body you have because it's the only one you've got, folks. So you, you, can, you can fight it all you want, but – you know, embracing it and saying, okay, what does my unique, beautiful body need? And giving it that. And for me, you know, I am a one meal a day kind of kind of woman and I like how that feels. And, you know, as we are slowly breaking out of this pandemic and, you know, seeing people again, I am so grateful that this fell into my lap when it did, because being in a house all day and not having a plan would have been disastrous for me. I would have come out of it. I think it was for a lot of people. I would have come out of this. I would have eaten as a hobby. That is what I would have done. And my body would have suffered as a result of it. And instead I got to, you know, I did a lot of baking and a lot of cooking and a lot of sharing of those things, you know, socially distanced in the proper way. And I really did become that person who I, I have started spitting out bites of food. I know that might sound disgusting, but if something, I am not going to swallow a bite of food that doesn't taste good. I'm not going to keep going with it anymore. And it it is such a shift from that Jenny who couldn't waste a single bite, you know, who would eat the last of a meal just to avoid wasting it. So, you know, these changes that happen over time, I don't even know who that person was anymore. I really don't. I mean, I look back and think, oh, I remember how hard it was to be that person. And I'm just so grateful that that person's in my rear view. Oh, yeah. And you, know, in some ways, you really still can eat as a hobby. You oh, didn't for give sure. that up. But no. now you're you're eating as a hobby with no guilt attached to it and in a way that feels good. And so it's like, it's like win-win. It, it is. No, the, you know, the ability to not have to count a calorie or to not have to measure things is so refreshing. And I get that question all the time. And I, you know, as moderators, we see that question all the time. Well, what should I eat? How many calories should I have? And we're so programmed that there was a right number of calories that people feel like we're lying to them or that there must be, there has to be some secret potion that I'm withholding and that, you know, eventually I'll give it. To- it's my magic fasting water. Right. I will sell it to you. Right. No, no, there is not. <laughs> That's the funniest thing is we're programmed that unless we've paid for something, it can't possibly be good for us or valuable. Or work. And, right. 
So, you know, I really think that we could give people a sticker to wear on their forehead and suddenly intermittent fasting would work for them because they paid $99 like, for like it. Like Dumbo's magic feather. You exactly. Know? And when he, no. he could fly, when he held the magic feather, but really he could fly without it, but he felt like that was what it was. Isn't that, was that funny? And I know that you've dealt with this the whole time that you've been, you know, writing about intermittent fasting and, you know, it's just that, that belief that, okay, this is too good to be true. It's going to work for me initially, and then it's going to stop working. I think there's just that fear. And then, you know, one of my favorite questions still moderating is people who ask about their favorite protein shakes or their favorite smoothies or their favorite diet drink. I love that question because I will never have another one of those ever, ever. Yeah. Nope. Me neither. I will never have Mm -mm. a protein shake again because I don't like them. Now, if I loved them, I would have one. That is how you I know? answer every time. I'm like, you know, they'll say, what is your favorite protein shake? And, and I I feel a little like trauma when people talk to me about protein shakes because I sucked them down. Me too. I tried. For years. And I remember carefully measuring out, the, you know, the little plastic, tiny little scoop and you had to use so many scoops of this with so many scoops of that and this perfect amount of banana or, you know, whatever on Mondays. And, you, you know, so I was always watching these recipe books and carrying these ridiculous scales around. And, you know, I had a portable blender. It was so ridiculous. Oh, I and, had one of those. I had one in my oh, classroom. Oh, yeah. yeah. I had I'd them pull everywhere. It mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're up my shake. And then I would be like, mmm, delicious. Oh, this is so no, – yeah. so, no, no. But so, yes, if you love protein shakes, if they are your jam, knock yourself out. Drink them. Whatever one you like. Enjoy them. Whatever one you like. I personally will eat a sandwich or I just – I will not – I will not spend my window on something that is not appealing to me. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. It's three o'clock somewhere. Time for a My Mochi ice cream snack. My Mochi ice cream is cool, creamy scoops of premium ice cream wrapped in sweet, pillowy dough. And get this, all of My Mochi's fabulous flavors like strawberry, mango, double chocolate, and cookies and cream are only around 80 calories per piece. Talk about a guilt-free, indulgent experience. Each box of My Mochi ice cream has six perfectly portioned, gluten-free mochis that are great for grab-and-go. So feel good while curbing your afternoon cravings or the midnight munchies. Yeah, you know who you are with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. Can I tell you my latest obsession and it's all your fault? (gasps) Yes, what? Rancho Gordo beans. <gasps> I finally started cooking them. You know, for people who who obviously don't know, I'm going to send you a video. I'm going to send oh, you a video. Please do. 
Jenny ordered some Rancho Gordo beans. When was that? When did you tell us you were ordering those beans? I've, you know, I've ordered them previously, and then I'm on the waiting list for their bean club, which I still oh, haven't gotten into the bean club. I want to be in the bean club. The bean club isn't this so funny? Like I'm chomping at the bit to be in the Rancho Gordo Bean Club. There's a waiting list thousands of people long. Well, 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 I'm Jen Stevens. No, I'm joking. I know. Like, okay, <laughs> Jen, here's – if you get in, you have to get me a slot okay. too. That's the chop. only deal. They make yeah. the most beautiful – they have the most beautiful product. I grew up – eating dried beans that were disgusting. They didn't taste good. They would be kind of reconstituted. And these are like heirloom beans that are grown with love and have been carefully sourced and packaged. And they come to you freshly dried. So they haven't been sitting. I had never cooked dried beans. Mm-hmm. I was so scared of them. And then you you were like, look what I'm ordering. And I'm like, well, I like beans. I'm going to try that. So I ordered like, you know, you had to spend $50 to get free shipping. So I yeah. ordered $50 That's worth of beans. That's a lot of beans. That's and a lot of beans. They sat in the pantry uh-huh. for months, months. And so like like two weeks ago, I was like, I'm going to do this now. I finished my new book. I've Love turned it. it in. Love it. I got time. What can I do? I'm going to make these beans. And so I am now like opening my window every day with beans. Yesterday, I made Christmas limas, I think they're called. Have you had they're those? They're so <gasps> delicious. That's what I'm going to eat today. I'm like hiding them from Chad. I'm going to open so my window. <laughs> I have been away from home pretty much, well, except for one overnight. I've been away from home since March 1st. And so I got home Monday. And Tuesday, I soaked beans. Oh, and Wednesday, it. I cooked beans. So we have two kinds of beans right now. But there's Which this kind? great a flagellet bean and then a Mayakoba bean are the two that I did. And I cooked them simultaneously but very differently. So I used different fats in them both and different spices and herbs. And so they turned out – one is when I used bacon fat. So that one turned out very smoky and porky and lovely. And then the other one I did with uh, garlic olive oil. So it's lighter and a charred lemon. So it's lighter and brighter, and it's actually really fun to serve them side by side because they're so different. But there is a wonderful video, and I'll send you the link to it, but it's called Carla Makes Beans, okay. and it's on YouTube, and it's like a test kitchen video. And she is hilarious. I like want to be her friend, and she just talks about how to make the perfect pot of beans, and it blew my mind back when I ordered you know, Rancho Gordo in bulk like you did. And then, but also Rancho Gordo site is also an amazing resource. They have all sorts of recipes and all sorts of methods for making beans. And um, you're going to get all sorts of different opinions about, do you have to soak beans or not? I am team soak. Then do you drain them? I do not. See, me neither, because I read Rancho Gordo had, they said, well, you could do it either way, but soaking them, you don't want to discard the cooking or the soaking water because some of the nutrients will be in there. Everything is in there. Well, I think it's because we grew up on those canned beans that have that disgusting, slimy liquid. That is not what you get when you soak these fresh beans. And it's so fun. I I put them in a big... um, I have lots of jars around because I can and stuff, but uh, these big half gallon glass jars. And so you, you know, you put a half pound of beans in the bottom and fill it with nice cold water and then you go to bed. And the next morning, you know, the beans have, I don't know, you can almost hear them like, hey, we 
we've been plumping up for you overnight. It's just really fun to see how much they change. I mean, a bean can grow, can double in size. Those limas were crazy looking. <laughs> Isn't they even fun? changed colors. Yep. Yeah. But I've also learned that depending on the bean, like I'm, I'm cooking them right now in a pressure cooker. It depends. Different beans, like one bean I made, this, these little black ones, I can't remember what they're called, but they like were still very, like it took them extra long. And then I tried that with these white beans and then they were like mush. I'm like, look, Chad, this is going to be bean soup because that's what it turned into. It was still delicious. Yeah. He's like, I don't think there's bean soup. There's just someone cooked their beans wrong. I'm like, well, yeah. okay. Well, and it's funny because, you know, when you find, you know, like I definitely have a sourdough method that's my method now. And I definitely now have a bean method. It's not my method. It's Carla's method. <laughs> but <laughs> it's fascinating. You know, I'm a big instant pot user, pressure cooker kind of person. And I don't do that with beans. Really? So, no, I make well, beans. Because you can't see what's happening. You don't know. No, and you can't so see then- what's happening. And each bean really does. So even the same type of bean, depending on how long it's been dried, what the humidity level was when it was dried. So, you know, that seasonal thing, you know, California where Rancho Gordas are, you know, dried and processed, their humidity varies also. So, you know, a bean that took two hours to cook might take three on certain okay. days. So you do have to be a little more. Well, I got to watch Carla then. I need Carla. Yes. I'll, I seriously, I'll send you the link. I just pulled up the video so that, cause I know people are going to be looking for this now. It's called Carla makes beans from the test kitchen um, with Bon Appetit. And it's, it's, you can find it on YouTube and it is the funniest video. So she, she's just a, an absolute joy to watch. And I seriously, I just want to go sit in her kitchen. She's one of those people, Jen, I felt very much the way about her that I felt when I first met you, which was only online. I used to tell people that Jen was my best friend in a very (laughs) non-stalker way. (laughs) And then now I'm like, I think Carla could be my best friend. There you go. So no, she's just one of those people that you think, oh my goodness, if we met, it would be amazing. I would love to cook with her. So Carla, call me. Call me. That'd be great. <laughs> That's great. And I, I have to make myself a note in my calendar to go to Rancho Gordo and buy a bunch of beans prior to this episode coming out on September 16th because I don't want right. people to buy up all the Christmas limas. <laughs> I mean, if you think you don't like lima beans, then you oh just my not goodness. have had no. them right. And the Rancho Gordo beans – they have the most beautiful varieties of beans. Like one of my favorites, they have these black caviar lentils that are these tiny little lentils and they're just magic. But it's funny because, you know, I get on the waiting list for beans that you like. It sounds so silly, but I get so excited when I get a Rancho Gordo email that's like, your beans are back. Woo! I just go, whatever they have is what I order. Yeah. No, it's great. But that's (laughs) like, yeah, now I'm going to have to now I'm going to have to reach out and bother them again and see where I am on there you the go. waiting list for the bean club. That's fabulous. so funny. It's great. Well, it's you, just, know? It, you know, and I, I thank you for that. And my husband is so happy. Chad is so happy. He's like, I love these beans. You Isn't it so funny yeah. how, I mean, preparing, but it's one of those things where it's not a quick thing to prepare. No. It's something that most people don't know a lot about. I think I dried- I I was scared of them. Yeah. I think dried beans are one of those things that scare people. And- we haven't had great historically, you know, like I was served canned lima beans as a kid. They aren't good. They're just not they're just not good. 
So I can doctor them up and make them delicious, but my I'm grandmother glad. with I, enough butter and cream and salt yeah, and pepper. I haven't had that experience. Okay. But it was kind of like Brussels sprouts. Like I grew right. up eating boiled Brussels sprouts. Like they're terrible. And now, you know, now Brussels sprouts are all the rage. Every restaurant makes their version of delicious Brussels sprouts. So I think beans are beans are having the same renaissance and it's all I because so. of Rancho Gordo. There they're a great go. company. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm training my gut. I mean, you know, I've always been a bean eater. You know, I've loved beans. And when we both did the Zoe study at the same time, or I did mine right after you, but beans came back as a very good food for me. Mm-hmm. But even so, let me just say, you have to train your gut to manage yes. the increased volume of beans. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. I can you, tell a difference already from when I like really upped my level of beans to now it's been, I don't know, over a week, two weeks almost, I guess. And I'm already doing a little better with that. That's good. You know, you have to, you have to train your gut with, with everything. And I think, you know, it's an important thing for new intermittent fasters to understand. We get a lot of poop questions Mm -hmm. on the, you know, the Facebook page and the groups. And it's because you're making a change. You know, if you're making a change to what you're eating or the timing of what you're eating, it would make sense if your input changes, that your output would change. And people get really alarmed by that. And, you know, it's one of those things where I know we are notorious for saying, trust the process. It just takes time. But it truly, it truly just takes time for your body to figure out, okay, what do I do with this large amount of food given to me all at once? But my body is definitely way happier to focus on digestion once during the day and then not have to worry about it you know, the rest of the day. I just feel so much better. So before we wrap it up, which I can't believe we're about to have to do, overall, how much how much weight have you lost overall? Because we we danced around the weight loss. You never really yeah, said. Um, you know, when I when I came to um, intermittent fasting, I had already lost some weight just by making some changes to my diet. But my highest ever weight was 197 pounds. That was the highest number I ever saw on the scale. I'm about five foot six. And I know for sure I was much heavier than that. I just wouldn't get on the scale to confirm it. So that was probably 2011, so 10 years ago. And then I tried every diet in there. Um, My lowest ever weight on a diet, on a fad diet, I was down to 138 pounds and I looked... I looked like I needed to be hospitalized. I looked very, very sickly. My happy spot weight now is somewhere between like 148 and 158, which seems like a pretty big range. But I will tell you, I don't weigh anymore. I don't weigh anymore at all. And recently I stopped tracking my fasts. So So those were big. I'm just living. Love it. I'm just living. And it's it's very different. I was really attached to my fasting app and to the point that I was panicking one day when it wouldn't work. And it was that mental little reminder of, okay, Jenny, if this is causing you this much anxiety, it might be time to let this go. And so uh, my fasting app has been not used for almost 30 days and I don't miss it. And then you know, I was real tempted to get on the scale when I got home after being away from home for three months. And I, I just don't, I my you know, if, if clothing starts to tell me there's a problem, then I, I know what to do. It's, you know, it's not, it's not a panic. It's not anything like that at all. It's just, okay. My windows have gotten a bit long. I, 
for me personally, if I start eating beyond feeling satisfied, that's when things go awry for me. And it's, you know, I tell a lot of friends, I truly eat until I am satisfied, not one bite or sip more. And it's when I'm having several sips or bites more that things can go awry pretty quickly. And that can happen in a very short eating window. That's um, true. It can. It you really can it keep can. a short eating window and still eat beyond Over-eat. what your body wants or needs. That's true. So well, to wrap it up, what would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? You know, I feel like I came to this with the knowledge that I needed, which was nail the clean fast. Nail the clean fast. Don't worry about anything else. Um, make sure that you are clean fasting and just settle in. This isn't, you know, it's hard to tell someone you might not see anything for six months Oh, I would also tell them ditch your scale, which is a really hard thing for most people. Um, But my weight can vary seven pounds in a day, in a day from morning to night. I can, (laughs) I can change that much. That's not clearly, that's not a reliable measurement. So, you know, to be able to just have a more, you know, pick out a pair of pants or a dress that will be your guide. Take lots of photos and have other people look at them because we don't see ourselves truly. You know, have someone that you trust look at photos with you and point out what you don't see. Excellent advice. That I think is probably the best advice I could give someone. But it's this is not going to be fast. It's going to be a way of life. And we don't expect fast changes when we, you know, in our lifestyles. So settle in. You've got one big, beautiful life to live, and this is just one part of it. Perfect. Well, Jenny, I have really enjoyed it. I knew that I would. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Jen. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com, and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. I feel like I was blindsided. Because it's a competition show. From the producers of Jury Duty and The Bachelor. We have scoured the earth for the 14 greatest reality contestants that were available during our production window. Comes a reality competition show about reality competition shows. Nobody has dared to find out who is the actual best at just being on a reality show. I'm your host, comedian Daniel Tosh. It's winner go home. Each episode, our contestants will face new challenges. They will test their strength and lack of life skills for a chance to win $200 million. Thousand. 
$200,000. Prepare, because it's about to be ugly crying. Lots of fighting. Tasha, I have to defend myself. Celebrating 25 years of reality TV with your favorites. I have diarrhea. You cannot do this to me. What in gay hell have I got myself into? The GOAT. Stream free on Amazon Freeview or Prime Video. Nancy's love story could have been ripped right out of the pages of one of her own novels. She was a romance mystery writer who happens to be married to a chef. But this story didn't end with a happily ever after. When I stepped into the kitchen, I could see that Chef Brophy was on the ground and I heard somebody say, call 911. As writers, we'd written our share of murder mysteries. So when suspicion turned to Dan's wife, Nancy, we weren't that surprised. The first person they look at would be the spouse. We understand that's usually the way they do it. But we began to wonder, had Nancy gotten so wrapped up in her own novels... There are murders in all of the books. ...that she was playing them out in real life? You can listen to Happily Never After, Dan and Nancy, early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.